Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy, along with my co-host of the podcast, my partner in life, and my wife, Rachel Campos Duffy. It's great to be back, Sean. Uh, we're going to talk about um, a teacher who says that DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, mm. is embedding themselves through funding and programs under the guise of media literacy to actually empower teachers to spy on students um, for political um, thought crimes, I guess. Also to undermine Donald Trump, it's a completely political agenda with federal taxpayer money. So we're going to discuss it's a, that. That's a bombshell story. We're also going to talk about, um, you can cut this out after. We're also going to talk about my new favorite uh, TikTok trend, which is young people saying, I'm not going to be an influencer anymore. They're basically saying, this is not the way to live. And we're going to talk about this one girl, very popular influencer made a video saying, that's it. I'm going to live my life. We're going to unpack that. But before that, we're going to talk about a big controversial story that happened last week in New York City that has people furious. And that is the fact that a HIV um, activist, she's a, tra- a transgender, also a sex worker. Her name is... She's been addicted to drugs. He's been addicted to drugs. He was serving sentences in Rikers Island. Um, Gentili is the name that he goes by Cecilia Gentili. That's right. And Cecilia died and somehow her friends and family got permission to do, well, they asked for a funeral mass. They were denied a full mass, but allowed to do a funeral service inside of St. Patrick's cathedral, America's cathedral and all mayhem, um, unleashed there. It was sacrilegious. Um, they were just completely desecrating the whole sanctity of the space that they were in. Uh, first of all, they had, um, someone had mass cards, right? When you came in and people don't know if you're not Catholic, you know, in remembrance of your loved one who died, you get a mass card. It usually has a saint, probably a favorite saint or a picture of Jesus or the Virgin Mary that was special to the family or to that person who died. They usually have a scripture quote. Well, they had this woman, this, this, or this man, but this trans activist sex worker had her picture with a halo around it. Um, so right from the get go, 
it was understood because you were getting past that this was getting passed out to you as you walked into the church. It's pretty understood that this was not going to be a traditional service, funeral so, service. Yeah. So um, uh, what's so troubling is that for St. Patrick's let this happen. I want to take a, a moment and say you can you could be transgender. You could be gay. You could be a criminal. You could have AIDS. Um, the one thing that we all are in the Catholic Church and as Christians is sinners. Yeah. Right. And as long as you're repenting and want to come in and live by the teachings of the church, um, you're welcome. He would have been able to have a mass, but that's not what this is. This was a celebration of the debauchery um, of the lifestyle. And again, we don't eulogize in the Catholic Church, but they were eulogizing who they called Saint Cecilia. They were calling her a saint of all the whores um, from the pulpit at St. Patrick's Cathedral. I think this is a what... clip of it. Should we play a clip? Yeah, let's watch. Esta puta, esta gran puta. Esta puta, esta gran puta, la Santa Cecilia, la madre de todas las putas, hoy te decimos hasta pronto. Danos fuerza y coraje para continuar tu legado, hacer frente a los retos, seguir firmes por los que sabemos que merecemos amor, igualdad y los mismos derechos y una vida digna. This whore. This great whore. Saint Cecilia, mother of all whores. So that this was allowed to happen at St. Patrick's, um, it's not easy to get a, a, a mass at St. Patrick's. Someone with knowledge, someone with power had to say yes to this mass knowing full well what it was. Now, uh, St. Patrick's came out and uh, they said the cathedral, the cathedral only knew that family and friends were requesting a funeral mass for a Catholic and had no idea our welcome and prayers would be degraded in such a sacrilegious and deceptive way, is what they've said. Um, nobody believes that, Sean. No one I mean, believes nobody that. believes this was an inside job. Now, it's possible that Cardinal Dolan himself did not know, um, but... People are also upset at him. He was trending yesterday, by the way, on Twitter. Cardinal Dolan was trending on Twitter. And the reason is a lot of, so, so after this happened, they put this statement out. And then what generally happens, because Catholic churches have been desecrated before, and by the way, in the 80s, St. Patrick's endured a lot um, by gay activists and a group called ACT UP would go into St. Patrick's and do all kinds of stuff. And generally when a church space is desecrated in some way or something sacrilegious happens, what Catholics will do is have a mass of reparation. So they'll have a mass sort of to, to repair what was, what was destroyed in that act. Um, and so St. Patrick's put out the statement and said, we're having a reparations mass, but they, they had this private reparations mass not and not a public one. And a lot of Catholics were angry about it because a lot of Catholics said, Hey, we would have wanted to go 
to the reparation mass. We were not told about it. We were not invited to be part of it. And frankly, Cardinal Dolan himself did not preside over the reparations mass. And people were really Catholics, faithful Catholics were really upset about that. And they should have been. And so a, a couple of points. Um, you don't just turn over St. Pat, Patrick's Cathedral uh, for this uh, a funeral. There are priests of the cathedral that are there. Yeah. There's um, security, our security, <laughs> and that this was allowed to happen. And a priest didn't stand up and say, get the hell out of here. I'm sorry. This is going to get shut down. Turn the microphones off. Everybody get out. You're not going to desecrate the space. But nobody said that. Nobody did that. And it begs the question, Rachel, Why? That, that Cardinal Dolan didn't do a public mass of reparation. The question is, why? Right. What's he afraid? And by the way, we know Cardinal Dolan on a personal level. We like Cardinal Dolan, but we couldn't be more angry right now about how he has handled this, handled this situation. Why wouldn't he do it? Why wouldn't he make it public? What's it would be a story. Of? I think, listen, I think it would be a story in the New York Times. Um, I think Cardinal Dolan has, he's a good, he's a good person. And, 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 and both of us know him personally. I, I'm, this is not, I'm not trying to, to diss him in any way, but I am disappointed in him. And I do think he is a Cardinal New York City and he has a desire to play by New York City rules, if you will. So, for example, one of the things that he did not very long ago, the Met had um, a, a Met Gala. You know, they have the annual Met Gala. It's a big, it's probably the biggest fashion event in New York City, if not, you know, in the world. I mean, it, everybody who's a who's who wants a ticket to that Met Gala. And they had a, a theme, and I think the theme was some sort of like, you know, uh, church-related theme. And I, I'm, I'm, excuse me for not knowing exactly what the theme was. Let me look really quick. Um, I can't remember, but it was a church-related theme. And he lent his um, mitre, his, 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 his bishop's hat, if you will, to Rihanna. And a lot of people were like, they didn't like that. Um, but this is another, this is to a completely different level. But I, I bring up that story just to say he's trying to make nice with the city. The, the church is in the city. The city has a very liberal, I think, secular point of view. I don't know why he lent St. Patrick's, which again, it's St. Patrick's has so much symbolism, Sean. It is not just America's cathedral. You and I know the history a, a little bit of St. Patrick's Cathedral, and it's really dear to your heart because when St. Patrick's Cathedral was built, it was built um, by the pennies and the dimes and the dollars, in addition to some big donors, but the pennies, dimes, and dollars of very poor Irish workers in New York City and truly around the country. They would take up donations at Irish churches to give to the building of St. Patrick's. And there's a reason why St. Patrick's, you know, the, the poor Irish couldn't live in that part of Manhattan. That's, the, that's a pretty Tony part of Manhattan. Um, but they wanted their church there. They wanted their church in the heart of Manhattan to say Catholics belong because at that time, Catholics were still under a lot of sort of, um, persecution and prejudice. As were the Irish. Um, and uh, yeah, and the Irish Catholics, the Irish, yeah, specifically. And so they, they bought this piece of land. You're right in the heart of Manhattan on Fifth Avenue um, and built this amazing church. But to your point, uh, families may go without a meal um, to give their change, their change. Yeah. yeah. To build this cathedral. And they were devout Catholics, um, faithful people. Um, they are rolling in their graves 
that a bishop would allow this to happen. A cardinal. A cardinal would allow this to happen um, and not speak out more forcefully on this. And I think it, it begs the question, you, you, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve the city as progressive values um, and all the while serve the church, serve Christ. It, those two things can't exist. You have church to pick one. And when you say, I, wanna, I want everyone to love me, um, well, uh, at some point when you're going to come to St. Peter, uh, he's going to ask, who did you love? Did you, did you love the, the, the people who worshipped you in New York City because you were a progressive cardinal? Or did you love me? And did you teach my flock what I actually um, asked you to teach them? Did you show them the light? Did you show them the way? And I, don't, I, have, I think he's going to have a hard time answering that question. He's not a bold, forceful leader. And I like him as a person, but on the leadership front, he has completely failed on this. One, he let it happen. And two, he wasn't forceful um, in his anger that it happened in his church. Yeah, you know, I am willing to accept the possibility. That it was a mistake. That it happened behind his back, that there could have been bad actors. Um, it, this is definitely an inside job. Like, make, make no mistake. This didn't just happen. Somebody on the inside allowed it to happen. In fact, Father Martin, who's a Marxist priest, uh, leftist, um, all completely. There were warning signs. There were warning signs that this was going to happen. If it's possible that Cardinal Dolan was left out of that conversation. There's, it's a big church, has a lot of things going on, a lot of funerals, a lot of masses, a lot of activities. I can accept the possibility of that. It is the reaction, the lack of forcefulness in his voice. He allowed, that statement that you read, Sean, came from um, another priest, the next in line at the cathedral. It didn't come directly from him. Reverend and, Enrique Salvo. Yes, yeah, so I've gone I've that. gone to many masses where um, there where he's given and he's, he seems like a really wonderful person. And he gave that statement. But it should have come from the cardinal who is responsible for that church. And Sean, I think you bring up such a great point when you say you can't serve two masters here. And this was actually an opportunity for Cardinal Dolan to, as, as the shepherd of that church, as the leader of that church, and as the shepherd, the Catholic shepherd of New York City, to say this church, we can't control what goes wrong around and we're praying for all of you, but this church stands um, as a beacon of Christian values, of Catholic values, of Catholic teaching. And everything that happened in that church um, was a travesty. And you're right. They should have kicked them out. But that would have been a New York Times story. Um, I, I think it was and, not and, just a disrespect to the Catholics who donate. And you may see some some donations drop after this and after the the, the reaction. But I too think who, who, about these. Who, young, I too think about these Irish um, donors. These 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 little holes, Catholic holes in their shoes. That's right. Who gave and, and and that church was built on their backs. That's right. as well. And they deserve. You know, the, the, the things that they stood for when they gave that money, Sean, those are eternal values, so eternal principles, the, the, eternal teachings. And they still stand today. It doesn't matter that we're in 2024. So maybe just to, to, to give a little more background on why we're so angry um, from the pulpit, um, they called Cecilia the mother of whores. Um, they were calling for gender affirming care or gender mutilation, uh, in other words, and especially for children from the pulpit. During the prayers of the faithful. So, so for those who are non-Catholic, as part of our liturgy, we have what's called the prayers of the faithful, where we, as part of the liturgy, assign someone to read out 
prayers that we all together pray for um, as a church. And they prayed for? Gender affirming care, um, mother of whores. Um, and they also, during the, they sang Ave Maria. And at one point during Which is the what I want sung at my funeral mass of I Ave know. Maria, uh, someone yelled out Ave Cecilia. And they and they they proclaimed her a saint. And as I said, the mass cards had her with a halo around her head. This this thing was out of control. And again, you know what? It's New York City. It's America. You can believe what you want to believe, but that is not what the Catholic Church believes. And you can there are a thousand churches probably more in New York City who would do that funeral mass for you or that funeral service for you in the way you want, with every flag you want, with everything you want. But it shouldn't have been done by the Catholic Church. So the, the next question, Sean, is so why did they choose St. Patrick? So, so they were also, two men were kissing in the sanctuary. Um, they um, There was raucous chanting and interruptions throughout the Mass. So it was it was kind of a circus. Oh, absolute uh, circus of, environment. Of, of a Mass. It's online, by the way. You can look it up on YouTube. You can watch it. And as you made a point, she this uh, Saint Cecilia, who's a man, um, was celebrated and a sex as worker. a was celebrated as a saint. Um, and the question is, if Cardinal Dolan didn't know, okay, well let, let's take that uh, as a as a point of truth. Who was fired because someone did know? Did you fire anybody? Was someone relieved of their duties? Um, and this should have been... Or publicly been, reprimanded. And again, you know why wasn't he, he wear, at the reparation? He wear the arti- the, if, if there's an article in the New York Times, he should wear that as a badge of honor. Amen. That he's standing up, not for the New York Times, but for the, the Catholic community and what we all believe. So anyway, um, yes. again, I, I, again I, I, I like the Cardinal as, as a person. He is a jovial, nice man. Uh, but we've had him on Fox and Friends many times. Fallen down, yeah. on this, um, and but and, and this is not the first one. We'll leave the other ones alone. But he has continued to make decisions like this that show that he cares more about what people think about him in New York City than leading his flock. And amen. Um, right, so, I'll just say this before we go: they chose St. Patrick's for a reason. Purpose. That's right. That was on purpose. The entire point of that funeral was to make a statement um and and boy he fell for it and then he didn't apologize or do the reparation mass to make up for it so total bullcrap fail uh, fail cardinal Durrell. we are going to calm down and come back right after this break <laughs> did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion if that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life pro-family views then every life is your solution. Every Life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. All right, welcome back to the kitchen table. We're now going to go to story number two, which is about the Department of Defense and of Homeland, Homeland Security. Security. 
uh, giving grant money to schools um, that uh, they say one thing where the money's going, but a whistleblower in Rhode Island, a conservative teacher came out and said, actually, the money is going to training for something completely different. This is about media literacy. And as the teachers go through the training courses, they soon realize it really isn't about this um, very sanitized phrase of media literacy. It's actually about something very, very different. It, this, the, it took place through the University of Rhode Island's Media Education Lab, uh, and it's right. called, the program is called Courageous Rhode Island. So this is actually part of a much bigger um, thing that's happening. This is a this is part of the censorship industrial complex. And so a lot of people thought the censorship in America was just that big tech guys were liberal and they were altering algorithms and and maybe even reporting stuff back to the government. But what we are learning now is that actually the censorship is starting at the government level and things that the government can't legally constitutionally do they are farming out to universities and to big tech and this is unconstitutional you cannot use other entities nonprofits academia or big tech corporations to do the censorship work that you're not allowed to so, do as a government. So, so what they do, Sean, is they take government money, they farm it out, in this case, to a university. And this university now has a government-funded um, department to analyze media, to make sure people have media li literacy. Gosh, it sounds so academic and nice, right? I want you guys to listen up. Media literacy is the new buzzword. When you hear media literacy, all of your red flags should go up. So in this case, using media literacy to go in and train teachers. So all, they got a, this, just this school alone got a $700,000 grant. And with that grant, they got the teachers to do this teacher meeting with the Zoom well, class. By the way, it wasn't just a school. So Rhode, Rhode Island is small. So the, the college got the grant for $700,000 to then educate teachers throughout Correct. the state. So again, Courageous Rhode Island, uh, it is supported and funded by the Department of Homeland Security. A $700,000 grant Correct. went to the university, and they're saying that it's for uh, works to prevent rising violence and extremism in Rhode Island with authentic and respectful conversations. So they, they want to prevent violence. That's what they're saying. And by the way, who doesn't want to prevent violence? And who who doesn't want a respectful conversation? Oh, all of us do. However, uh, Courageous Rhode Island is hyper-focused on one specific individual. I wonder who that would be. Donald Trump. Donald J. Trump. Uh, he is the root cause of all social media and media disinformation. He's inspiring violence. And so it's a focus on Trump. And they actually go so far as to say there's students in the classroom who are part of the outer group. They're conservatives. They're Trump supporters. And we need to bring these, them in. We need to bring them into the inner circle because these are potentially violent, extreme MAGA Republicans in the making. So this is the viewpoint of Rhode Island school system funded by the Department of Homeland Security to actually use our taxpayer money to go after Donald Trump and say he is a purveyor of misinformation. The whistleblower's name is Ramona Bessinger. She's a high school teacher in Providence, Rhode Island, a really brave woman. I want to say it is kudos. It is citizens like this who will, if we save the Republic, it will be because of citizens like this. She says, quote, in the breakout sessions 
and project sessions, some teachers complained about their students with opposing views. So she's in the training session and other teachers are going, yeah, we're not these conservative students. What the heck? She says, according to one facilitator, these students were part of the outer group, as you mentioned, Sean, and we need to bring them back into the inner group, specifically conservative students that may have outwardly expressed support for Trump. These students, quote, were considered violent extremist MAGA Republicans. Um, and she says that she's concerned that this program, Courageous Rhode Island, is co-opting the Say Anything Anonymous reporting yes. system, which, of course, if you remember, Say Anything Anonymous reporting system was about getting potential terrorists or School, school shooters. shooters. Right, you had, a, you had a hotline. You go like, I saw something. I'm concerned. You call in and go, hey, I, someone was buying guns and they're saying they want to kill people in school. You have the option of calling in this number and reporting it and maybe preventing a school shooting. That can be a good thing. But she's saying that may not be how it's going to be used. And why the hell is the Department of Homeland Security doing this? So here's another thing that's being done that is super concerning to me. So there is uh, an organization called the News English, English Language Arts. Again, anything that sounds innocuous like that, red flag. Let me, let me say it's called News Ella, the News English Language Arts Program. And what this... Um, organization does is it basically aggregates stories that they and and this group is encouraging through all of these um uh training programs use these use this program to get current event articles out to your students so of course we want our students to be informed about the news and about what's going on in the country except that this organization the news english language arts organization aggregates left-wing progressive news stories so this is an indoctrination machine as well information and so what is concerning and this is um again i'm hopeful that congress uh can be smarter and better but a republican congress is actually funding yes many of these programs to actually undermine conservative values half the country agrees with donald trump they like his vision for america and democracy would say Shouldn't we have an open conversation and an open debate about what do we want about a southern border and about immigration and about spending and about Ukraine and about Israel and about crime? Um, all things, our tax code, what should we have for rules and regulations? Should we be able to drive a, 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 a traditional car or do we have to buy an EV? Can I have a dishwasher that works and one that doesn't work? All conversations that people that live in a democracy should have and in the past have had. Well, now the federal government has taken the role of saying, no, we're going to step in and classify half of America as violent extremists. They're a threat to America and they can undermine democracy because undermining democracy actually means you want to undermine those who want to control you. That's how perverted this has become. And this is a good example in, in Rhode Island of a teacher who goes, uh, and again, there's probably not many conservative teachers in Rhode Island, yeah, or at least with. that are this brave that will stand up and expose it, but good for her for doing it. And going, oh, I'm sure, I'm sure, she's, my, I'm oh, sure she's taking so much abuse. I wouldn't be surprised she's out of the system by now. Um, but boy, Ramona, amazing stuff. So they're trying to say, we want to train our teachers to train students how to tell what's misinformation. But what they're really doing is they're, they're 
finding out which kids have naughty points of view, naughty thoughts, naughty ideas that probably come from their naughty insurrectionist, Trump loving yes. parents. And so imagine just being for a second, Sean, imagine being a student from a conservative home who goes to a public school in Rhode Island and your lefty teacher is trained and encouraged through the DHS, through the Department of Homeland Security, who, by the way, should have nothing to do with our schools. Um, they're being trained to identify you, deprogram you from the bad things your parents are teaching you about Christianity, about politics. This is not the role of schools. And it goes back to what I told you, Sean. They will find more and more clever and deceptive ways of separating your child from you. These schools are, as you call them, commie camps. They are commie camps. And the level of, of spying that's coming from our government, funded by our tax dollars, into our schools. Um, it used yes. to be that you just worried that your teacher, your kid was going to get a liberal teacher. Now you've got the Pentagon and the Department of Homeland Security funding new ways for your teacher to take your kids away from your values. That's why we always say, do not say, it's not worth it to send you. You, you only know about this because of this brave patriot, no, Ramona no, Bessinger, no. but you don't know everything that's happening in your kid's school. So this, we're, we're small government conservatives. Yeah. Right. We believe that there's a role for government and there's things that the government should not be doing. We're $34 trillion in debt. And to think that our government has $700,000 million, $700, to send to Rhode Island, and this is just a this little drop in the bucket uh, of the money they waste and, and spend on bogus projects, uh, which is why you need conservatives in Washington to starve the government. They shouldn't have money to, to give to Rhode Island because they're actually focused on the money they do have on homeland security. And this is not homeland security. This is indoctrination, making little commies in America that will continue to support the Pentagon, the Department of Homeland Security, the FBI and the DOJ and attack conservatives because you, you got it. You have to root, they, root out conservatism. Root out Republicans. Root out anyone who supports Donald Trump. Demonize them. Silence them. Um, but Sean, isn't it ironic that this money is being spent, and that's just one school. It's going all over. They're spraying this money all over to train teachers to be basically thought police inside of the school and target kids. The DHS is in charge of our border right now. <laughs> Look at what. So I'm sorry, Sean. Yeah, maybe you think you can starve them and that they'll just do the basics, but they're not even doing the basics. They're spending money on this. And by the way, this is part of, like I said, a much bigger campaign. I'm also right now doing some investigation. Um, you can go to my Twitter. I've, I've got I've posted some stuff about it. They're also funding NGOs to go into Hispanic communities with the same thing. Uh, we need to teach. Latinos how to have media literacy and they literally say and you can see it on my on my Twitter uh, if you go through it they literally say we can't let them trust we have to teach them you can't trust what your abuelita says what your little aunt says or your little grandma says you got to have 
trusted sources. And we got to train Hispanics, young Hispanics especially, not to trust their parents or their grandmothers or their aunts right. for, for trusted information because, you know, they might have these dangerous anti-communist ideas because they came from Venezuela or Cuba or Latin America, somewhere in Latin America. You have to trust the federal government, CNN or MSNBC, maybe the New York Times. That's it. Everything else is... Uh, fake news. So the money goes through the, yep. it's being laundered through universities, through no NGOs, doubt. and they're using it to spy on you and indoctrinate you. Okay. Beware. We are going to take another quick break. We're going to come back and talk about um, this influencer who has had some thoughts about influencing. She had an epiphany, Sean. She had an epiphany. epiphany. Right after this break. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, welcome back to the kitchen table. Uh, social influencing topics always go to Rachel, not me. Well, listen, this is my new favorite. I, I hope this trend becomes the latest, coolest Gen Z, Gen Alpha generation. Like the library, trend. they all go to the library now too. Do you know that? All the Gen Zers are going to the library. Maybe they'll. Why are they going to the library? They they want they want to have some quiet. They want to put their phones down. They want to actually read books. It's crazy. Oh, well, yeah. that, well, that might be my, I didn't know about that yes. trend. That might be my favorite. Well, you, you, you're not watching the bottom line on Fox Business from six to seven, but if you did, you would have heard that I story. missed, I do watch the bottom line. I don't know how I missed that. Um, but, but in any case, here's another media trend. So there's an influencer. Her name um, is Anna Wolferman. And Anna. She, she, she actually shares why she feels this path of being an influencer is really hurting her mental health, really. Um, she says, I'm tired of making everything about myself. So basically she says, I can't even take a trip and, 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 and enjoy my trip because the whole time I'm on the trip, I'm, I'm like worried. Did I take enough pictures? Did I vlog? Should I take a, a video of this? I should be posting on in, about the trip. And she's like, I'm not actually enjoying the trip. I'm not actually being in the moment. She says, um, I'm so sick of always talking about myself, posting about myself, replying to comments about myself. It's just being a social uh, media influencer is too self-obsessive of a job. She said also that because she does a lot of her stuff on TikTok, TikTok, you have to have your videos be very short. The shorter, sort of the snappier. Yeah. And she says, she's a graduate herself of Notre Dame, and she says, now I'm learning not to elaborate on my ideas. I'm having to talk in these really short sentences and it's sort of rewiring her brain to not really think deeply and thoughtfully about things. And so she's gotten out of that habit and she she says she just doesn't want to live like this anymore. I also thought she, did she mention it was it kind of creates a fake presentation of what your life is like? Well, sure, you just show the happy moments, right? You don't show the time when you're, you know, having a bad time on the on the trip or something terrible happens everyone wants to see this beautiful aesthetic um 
presentation, presentation. of my amazing trip, which by the way, if you curtail it like that, craft it like that, uh, most people, that vacation was not that great and yours won't be that great either. But if you have the expect, expectation, again, I think it's a letdown then for people to go, oh, my, my trip wasn't as great as this TikTok. Yeah, you make other or, people feel bad when they lose their luggage and don't have a great trip. So just so you know, Sean, 57% of Gen Zers, 57% want to pursue a career in what? social media. Um, that's more the, the general population. Actually, this is also scary. So Gen Zers say 57% want that 41% of just the general population want that. And only 12% of those who are social media influencers make more than $50,000 a year. Only 12% are making $50,000 a, a year. So most people who are trying to be social media influencers, they're not making a living at it. They can't quit their jobs. They want to do it, but they're not making money at it. Uh, they all see like the great fame and the great money that some of the influencers make, but most of them, they don't get there. You're better off to go listen. I'm going to post some stuff on social media. Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll make a little bit of money from it, but pursue your passion. You want to be a dentist. You want to go into marketing. You want to be a mechanic, whatever you wanted to do in your life, pursue that, go after that and do this on the side. Don't make this a priority because you'll wake up one day and go, this is this is empty. That's what she did. She said, "I'm applying for other jobs." She said Good she actually her. enjoyed the process of doing a, a, an application and writing a cover letter, and and having a real life. And I think that's what I find interesting, Sean, that after this generation has been offered this sort of virtual life, mm -hmm. and this is why I'm so glad you brought up this other trend they're starting to reject it. They're starting to see that it's not real and they want, they don't want to scroll through TikTok. They want to read a real book. They don't want to pretend like they had a good time um, and make a video about how they had a good time. They actually want to be immersed in that trip or immersed in that, you know, they experience. They want to have a good time. They want to have a life. Right. They want to have a relationship. And I think we're seeing that even with dating and this, so forth. This, this is starting to bubble up a little bit. It's starting to happen it's a little the beginning bit. It, of it. it could be a really good uh, trend. We're um, going to follow this trend for all of you. We're going to keep telling these stories of these small signs that maybe the, this generation, which has known nothing but social media and technology and phones, are they reaching back into the 80s, into the 90s, into a different era to try and live a more authentic life? Small, a little uh, sparkles of light that hopefully could turn into a bright, shining sun that these kids could get lives and get off their phones. Listen, uh, when we did this uh, podcast today, I was like, we can't do three topics, Rachel. We can't get through three topics. You're like, yes, we can. We did it's gonna it. It's going to be fun, and we did it. Um, uh, so again, love the breadth of what we went through, uh, on the topics today. I want to thank you all for joining us at the kitchen table. We'd love to do a podcast with all of you, uh, about the topics that matter to us. Uh, sometimes it's politics, sometimes it's cultural, uh, but all those things affect us in our everyday lives. And those are the things that we talk about around our kitchen table. So thank you for being with us. If you like our podcast, you can rate, review, subscribe, Wherever you get your podcasts, you can always find us at foxnewspodcasts.com. Please subscribe. Get a notice every time we drop, which is Wednesday, Thursday, and Fridays. And until next time, have a good day. Bye, everybody. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. In these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.